0: And I'm Kim, and we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases
1: of Moira, ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunkin'. Yeah, a little, uh... Interesting debunking tonight. Ooh, interesting debunking. Oh, um I debunked my voice which is still terrible. So sorry listeners. I've had acute bronchitis which is great when you record a podcast.
0: Are you sure you're not secretly a Bigfoot?
1: I'm secretly a sexy Bigfoot with a sexy voice.
0: I'm here for it. I'm living for this.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome, everyone, and all of our listeners. Enjoy. Anyway, what are we debunking today?
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I, you know, I enjoy covering an unsolved case. Oh, we love an unsolved case. We love it. Uh, This has been on my radar for a while. Uh, Weirdly, it first came on my radar after watching the 2008 movie, The Strangers. Have you seen that movie before?
1: I don't think I have.
0: It's a solid home invasion horror film. Uh, Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman, they're this couple who go to a cabin and it's like super late, late, late at night and someone knocks on the door looking for Tamara. Ooh, who's Tamara? We don't know. just this young woman knocking saying like I'm looking for Tamara and from there the couple is stalked and hunted by this group of strangers wearing extremely creepy masks oh fun it's uh, the first time I watched it I was in a hotel room by myself oh perfect perfect and (gasps) this like it actually creeped me out at times it's a very effective home invasion movie now at the beginning it has this whole inspired by true events thing which okay sure (laughs)
1: tell me how you really before. feel kim <laughs> well, i mean you know what i mean if something's is inspired by true events it, it, how much inspiration exactly
0: it's sometimes it's like somebody died once i was inspired by that
1: i was inspired by one person's death
0: yes <laughs> yes yeah, yeah, very inspired all the time uh now the filmmaker had said the inspiration was the the tate LaBianca murders but I was doing some digging, as one does. I, I, anytime I see inspired by actual events, I'm like, I want to know these actual events.
1: Which ones?
0: So, it's often connected to another real-life case in Keddie, California. Okay. The Keddie Cabin Murders.
1: I've never heard of this. Ooh, I'm excited. Me
0: too. Uh, Quick content warning. We are a spooky podcast that is going to be talking about murder. Ooh. But among the victims we will be speaking of today, there are children and teenagers. Uh, There is brief mention of sexual abuse. Just to give you a little content disclaimer.
2: Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome.
0: On top of my content warning, uh, I am going to give my good old disclaimer that OK, there are some bonkers interpretations of the facts um, oh, like there is some stuff I'm not e- not even going to get into because it's so ridiculous. I don't even want to give it the that attention. That's right. Fair. Sure uh because
1: anyway if you want to go down that rabbit hole reddit's a wonderful place live your life it's not during our time
0: it's not during our time um but this whole thing has just been very strange there's files that have never been publicly released evidence that's been lost conspiracy theories abound and i did my best to sort through the information but it turned into something weirder than i thought it would oh that's always fun how often do I feel? I feel like I'm saying that all the time now.
1: Honestly, I feel like that happens to us pretty frequently. But it just makes for a better storytelling experience. So it I'm not mad.
0: does. I love when I think I know. I was like, oh, I've heard of this case. I know what it's going to be about.
1: No, I Psych. Anyway. Can't wait. So excited. In
0: 1979, the Sharp family, uh, mother Glenna, who was known as Sue, and children johnny sheila tina rick and greg moved from connecticut to quincy california they're leaving sue's abusive husband the children's father jim and they're moving into a small trailer that had belonged to sue's brother don who lived in quincy okay they're a nice family they're just trying to make a life for themselves sue was described as a quiet but good woman sheila was a good kid johnny a rascal Tina, Angelic, Rick, like his mom, was on the quieter side, and Greg was a feisty, fun kid. Despite everything, they were happy children. Sheila Sharp would later describe her mother. She was kind and loving mother who was doing her very best to raise five children alone. She was dutiful in her attention to each of us. And while we lived in relative poverty, we also lived in a home of love.
1: Oh, that's sweet.
0: Yeah. Sue took a part-time job at the Quincy Elks Lodge and was taking typing classes. Uh, by November of 1980, they were able to move into a small cabin in nearby Keddie. These cabins were part of a resort that had fallen on hard times, so they were then used as low-income housing.
1: Oh, okay, cool. A
0: kind of a cool idea. Yeah. That is really cool. <laughs> Sue and her family moved into Cabin 28. Uh, Do you know Keddie, California? I'd never heard of it I've never
1: heard of it. No. Where is it? Is it like central California? It's northern. It's kind of like northeastern.
0: Yeah. And to be fair, I I mean, well, and California is a big place. large. It's also, it's, Keddie is tiny.
1: I probably drove through it at some point, but maybe didn't know.
0: (laughs) The 2010 census listed the population as 66. Oh my God, that's it? Um... There was a post office there until 1966, and then it was just like, there's a railroad junction, there were some bars. There's like, there's some stuff around, and- Not a lot. Not a lot. It's this little teeny teeny isolated town. They have one road that goes in and gets out, and uh, it was a little bit bigger when the Sharp family moved there. The population was, I saw an article that listed it around 300 people. Okay. So, uh, it was a little bit bigger, but it was, it was a small town. That also means that you know- everybody. Everybody, and you're probably in everybody's business.
1: Sounds like a small town to me.
0: Hmm. Uh, the family is adapting to their new home and their circumstances. The kids are making friends with the neighbors, and things seem to be going okay. It's a good area for the family. Uh, everyone looks out for each other. One of those communities, which again, that just yeah. sounds really lovely. Sounds nice. On April 11th of 1981. At this point, John is 15, Sheila is 14, Tina is 12, Ricky is 10, and Greg is 5. Sheila, the second eldest and the eldest daughter, went to spend the night at the Seabolts, who were their next-door neighbors. Sheila was good friends with their daughter, Alicia. The younger sons, Rick and Greg, were home with a friend of theirs, Justin Eason. Uh, Their mom, Sue, was home with them. Tina had gone next door to watch TV and she would leave about 10 o'clock to go back to her cabin okay John Sharp the oldest son had been in Quincy with his friend Dana Wingate uh, they'd be seen at about 10 15 p.m. hitchhiking in Quincy trying to get back to Keddie don't hitchhike kids not I mean- a good idea
1: it was very normalized back in the day, to my knowledge. I remember my mom was telling me when she was a kid she used to hitchhike all the time, and I was like, that sounds like you're asking to be picked up by a serial killer, but okay, you do you, boo-boo.
0: Ed Kemper says hi.
1: <laughs> Tell him we say hello.
0: Yeah. Uh the next morning, at around seven or eight AM, I saw differing accounts. She went home to get clothes for church, only to make a grisly discovery. Oh no. She would later say. I opened the door. That's when the horror began. I was not sure who the bodies were. Everybody was tied together with medical tape and an electrical cord. I scanned the room a little bit. I did not see my mom. There was a hammer and a bent knife. I was not sure if anybody was still in there. I remember dropping my stuff, running back next door, screaming.
1: That is a traumatized human.
0: Oh, I can't even imagine. To be 14 and walk through room and see blood and bodies.
2: Ugh. No. Her mom,
0: Sue, brother John, and his friend Dana Wingate were all dead in the living room. Sue was nude from the waist down and found lying on her side by the living room couch. Later, it would be determined uh, there was no sign of sexual assault. She was gagged with a blue bandana and her <laughs> panties had been secured to her face with medical tape.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. She had defensive
0: wounds, which means she fought whomever had attacked her. She'd been stabbed in the neck as well as multiple times in the chest and hit in the head with the butt of a BB gun. Oh, damn. Her body was covered with a blanket. John's throat had been slashed, his head bludgeoned with a hammer, He was then manually strangled to death. And so not to be too morbid, but this has come up before. Manual strangulation, meaning strangulation that's done with one's hands or a forearm, not a cord, not something you're wrapping around somebody's neck. There's no, like, great way to say this. Um, It's not something that's easy to do. No, doesn't it take a really long time, too? It takes an exceptionally long time, longer than people realize. It takes minutes of doing this. And you have to have a fair amount of strength to adequately do it. (laughs) Particularly if someone is struggling. Right. John's hands were resting on his stomach and secured at the wrist with medical tape. His ankles were secured by an extension cord. Dana, he had been bludgeoned as well, stabbed, and also manually strangled. All of them were bound with electrical cords and medical tape, as well as being gagged. Later, autopsies would show that more than one object had been used to bludgeon them. Hmm. Press save on that. Okay. There is blood everywhere. On the doors, on the ceiling, the porch railing, marks Jeez. on the walls that look like they've been made by a knife.
2: Damn.
0: Uh, this is not a, a normal attack. This is not a burglary. This isn't something you do if you you accidentally come across people while you're robbing them.
1: Now this is this like intentional. Intentional,
0: violent, personal. hmm On the floor was a bent steak knife and a hammer covered in blood. Sheila had, you know, fled back to the Seabolt's to get help. She would later tell People magazine, the most vivid image I have is of my brother laying there. The neighbors say I came back screaming. They said, I said it was Johnny, but I don't remember that. (laughs) Police are called. Uh, The Seabolt's oldest son, Jamie, returns to the house with Sheila. They're cautious in case someone else is still
2: inside. They look in the window of Ricky and Greg's bedroom. Miraculously,
0: there are the boys sleeping, completely undisturbed, along with their friend, Justin.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. It's
0: that's bonkers. Now, obviously, they don't want these children seeing their family dead in the living room. So Jamie wakes the boys up and helps them out the window. It would be hours before anyone thought to look for Tina.
2: Oh, my God. And realize she was missing. Oh, no. There were some bloodstains
0: found on her bed. (sighs) Strangely, though, the boys all say that they'd slept through the night and they hadn't heard anything.
1: That does seem odd.
0: It seems very odd. Press save on that. Okay. As the investigation started, the belief was it had to be two or three assailants to pull it off. Because you've got what? You've got two teenage boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny was 15. Dana was a little bit older. He was, I believe he was 17. And you've got a fully grown woman. Yeah, You're probably not going to do that yourself.
1: I mean, that seems difficult, especially like... A 16 and 17 year old dude can be like a strong human.
0: Well, I believe Dana was a little bit on the smaller side, but even then you're, you're wrangling with three with people, three people. That's like, you're not going to do that people. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but there was no DNA evidence, evidence to be found that could help give more information than that. And there is still no sign of Tina. That's weird. Also strange, there did not appear to be any sign of forced entry. Uh Uh-oh. There was one fingerprint found on a handrail by the cabin's back door that they couldn't identify as belonging to anyone in the family or anyone connected to them. All of the lights had been turned off and all of the drapes closed and someone had placed the phone off the hook.
1: That is very intentional and they must have let somebody in if that was the case, right? Uh Mm-hmm. hmm
0: So, weapons were found at the scene, the various knives and a bloody hammer. An additional knife would be found in a trash bin behind the Ketti store at a later date. Uh, there was no sign of the gun that was used to bludgeon Sue. Okay. Sheriff Doug Thomas, who was investigating the case, compared it to a similar murder, the murder of Guard Young and three children that happened almost 30 years prior. And he would say, This is the most heinous crime, most atrocious homicide in Plumas County since then. We have homicides like anybody else, but not like these. Hmm. And of course, you have a missing child. A massive search begins because you're dealing with a missing child. The FBI is called in. Neighbors are questioned. One woman who lived nearby reported hearing screams at about 1.30 a.m. and then she went back to sleep. Oh, that's helpful. Well, I mean, to be fair, like I think about how often I hear weird things, and I also live in a city and like in the heart of a city. Say yeah, it's a little different. But, but also, okay, when I was when I was still living in London, you know, we were in the city. We were a little outside. Like the main area where my flat was was right by this park. And I'd hear foxes all night. Foxes in heat sound like somebody dying. You just count it. (laughs) it really does. I thought somebody was getting murdered outside my window the first time. You told me the story once. It was a fun story. It's a fun story. But you hear sounds, you hear something once, it doesn't repeat. You discount it. Well, and also then what do you do? It's 1 30 in the morning. I thought I heard a scream. I don't know from where. Do I call the police and say what? I woke up. I thought I heard a scream, but I'm not really sure.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I get it.
0: Yeah. Particularly if you're still groggy or just like, and was go that a seat. dream or was, was that, that a real? dream? Exactly. Uh, so in a statement, Sheriff Doug Thomas would say, we have reason to believe that the three were dead sometime between midnight and 2 a.m., which does match that timeline when the murders could have happened if she heard something at about one thirty a.m. Sure. A suspect list is quickly being compiled. The most obvious one being Sue's ex-husband, Jim. You always look at the ex, the spouse, yep. the whatever first. Mm-hmm. Jim was a violent man, too. He had a temper. He had also apparently been sexually abusing both Tina and Sheila.
1: Oh, that's awful.
0: Which is one of the things that ultimately led Sue to leave him. Tina was known to be his favorite child, so he was quickly put under surveillance, the hope being that if he indeed had done it and he had taken Tina, he would lead them to her.
1: Sure. That makes sense.
0: But after a little bit, they were like, "Ah, we got to bring this dude in for questioning. Sure. And he was discounted as a suspect because he had a firm alibi.
1: There goes that
0: option. There goes that option. Uh, Other ex-boyfriends of Sue were questioned, but all of them had alibis as well. Hmm. Theories are getting thrown around about what could have happened. Uh, Sue could have been involved in prostitution, although there was no evidence to suggest that. There were thoughts that, oh, maybe she was on drugs or dealing drugs or involved with drugs. But again, no drugs were found in the cabin. There were no drugs in Sue's system. We are grasping at straws, friends.
1: That's a straw grasp if I've ever seen one myself.
0: Police are looking at Tina's abduction as being the most likely motive. But again, what are we lacking, Gabby? We are lacking
2: evidence
0: evidence evidence uh this was a little bit that i i got from the people did a a little special on on the murders and Mm -hmm. this was disturbing tina's teacher a man named joel lipsy he was at quincy elementary school he Uh got looked into because he seemed to have a special interest in tina ew he had a picture of her on his desk at home at home He had a picture of her at home as well as on his desk at school, excuse me.
1: Two? Two. Bro had two pictures of her. Not cool, bro. Not Not cool. cool. It's creepy. It's creepy. That's a very creepy move, bro. How are you around children all the time? Why do you have their pictures? Is no one just like, hey, it's weird.
0: This is weird
1: just like before? that just like that that's how people should that's how people should talk all the time
0: but before any of this shit went down like
1: hey. people were just too nice man just uh, too nice
0: naive
1: oh I that think too naive
0: too yeah um, all the above when again unfortunately he had an alibi witnesses placed him at the keddy bar that <laughs> night and um
1: so even I'm though sorry. He's... I'm sorry to laugh that you just said unfortunately, because I really wanted him to be the person that did this because he's a creep. Oh, well, if it makes you feel okay, like, like,
0: the dude's totally guilty of being an absolute creep. Um, and he would also later be arrested for molesting a young girl.
1: So, someone should have taken, no, come on.
0: So, yeah. Mm. Uh, there's another theory emerging, which is that we've be... could Tina have been taken as a distraction? Because, with all of the attention being put on her because she was missing, could this deliberately be have been done to distract from the real target, perhaps, and this is what's hard when you're having trouble figuring out the motive because who are you <laughs> supposed to even look at if you're not really sure why something happened?
1: What came first, the chicken or the egg, you know,
0: yeah, exactly. So police turn to their next best source of information. The three boys who were on site during the murders. Who were allegedly asleep, right? Who were allegedly asleep. But also remember, Greg is
2: five. Yeah. Ricky is 10. And their friend Justin is 12. But my big question is, did the killers know... That the boys
0: were in the cabin.
2: It's a good question. Mm-hmm.
0: So both Greg and Rick insist that they slept through everything, which, again, I, I suppose is possible. Sure. My brother has slept through. I remember being a kid and he was sleeping through our like burglar alarm going off for minutes and he slept through it, which is alarming <laughs> on a different level. But intended. Hey, but police also believe that one of the boys had to have come out and even touched at least one of the bodies because there was blood found on the outside doorknob of the boys room.
1: Did they find any blood on the boys themselves? Not that I found reported.
0: But it's also possible I could have wiped it somewhere i mean who knows yeah also again this is like 1981 and no shade this
1: was not the most secured crime scene known to man sure and i could also think that you know if the boys had gone out there and seen something like maybe they would have gotten back into bed and like hid because they were scared sure or what if someone went to go open the door after murdering sure and had blood on their hands and mm-hmm. then got distracted by something else. Yes. And then didn't or go- you know peeked what I mean? inside, like
0: inside, saw three sleeping boys and closed the door quickly.
1: Right. That could have been not from the boys. Yeah. It could have been from somebody else.
0: And and also I think about, you know, in terms of chain of events, like, OK, even if there's still a little blood on one of the boys hands, they got taken out the window and they were with their sister and the neighbor first. So the likelihood of anything that was even on their hand getting wiped off by then is high that's fair uh so police interviewed them and justin eason talked about a dream he had about the murders he was on the love boat they'd been watching not like yeah i know that's a really random fact if you don't know the context they've been watching the show before bed ah that happens
1: (laughs) happens when you have a dream about something that you just watched before exactly
0: and and in his dream he sees two men stab sue johnny and dana and throw them overboard and then get away in a life raft which is weird and specific (laughs) police decide to hypnotize him Which did get me wondering, uh, how much would even be admissible in court? Oh, oh, I can speak if to If they this. found out, well, I have the specific case. Oh, nice. In People versus Shirley, nineteen eighty two, the California Supreme Court ruled because California, again, California specific, California Supreme Court ruled that any information obtained or subject matter covered under hypnosis is not admissible as evidence, although. Hypnosis may be used to obtain leads that may assist in the securing of additional admissible evidence.
1: Evidence. Okay. So I'm studying all this right now. Well, remembering too, it's still 1981. Right. So this hasn't happened yet. This hasn't happened yet. But it's going to happen soon. Sure. And I think, too, another thing to take into consideration is, like, the validity of a claim of a child. And oh, how? Like, yeah, I'm oh, not even I, touching that. Well, but that's also something that, like, I, I'm going to go off on a slight tangent really quickly. I just uh, studied the competence to testify um, in oh, my sure. class, yeah. and it, part of, one of the things that they talk about is children and like whether or not they're competent to testify based on what they're able to remember. Yeah. And, like, wh- when something happened or are they are they going to lie about it? What, what Like, basically, are they competent? Like, what are the factors that you have to evaluate to, to like, be – to testify on a crime? So, for example, one of these kids might testify – you might be talking about this – in court at some point, is it valuable information or not, right? Like, to be able to assess that is something, like, pretty big deal, which also makes me think that, like, if their memory – allegedly – this reminds me of the, the Betty and Barney situation.
0: Well, there's a, again, it's part of why i
1: not Tangent. touching too much on okay. it is
0: that beyond, I'm going to tell you what they said.
1: Okay, um, go ahead.
0: But it's, it's, none of this would be useful, really, outside of, I think, if nothing else, their hope was maybe he's going to remember a person that can direct them somewhere. That's but fair. But this is highly unreliable. This this whole case, they've not been... There's so many things that were mishandled in this case. This is barely scratching the surface. Oh, that's frustrating. Yeah. They put him under hypnosis, and he states that he saw Sue and two men. One had a mustache and long hair, and the other one was clean-shaven and had short hair. He said that John and Dana came in and immediately started arguing with these men. It got violent. (laughs) Tina came into the room. One of the men left with her out the back door.
2: And then the man would come back and murder John, Dana, and Sue. Now, do I believe he saw this? It's possible, or he saw something, and his mind is
0: filling in some gaps? Is any of this usable evidence?
1: It's hearsay it's hearsay well the other thing too is like if one of them is talking about it being a dream right and like talking about the love boat
0: well no 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 he had that he was having that dream (sighs) Mm -hmm. and that's why they put him under hypnosis
1: but right no i know but i'm saying like in the hypnosis he talked about all of these things right no. That you just Or he mentioned? talked about
0: these things. The yeah, dream yeah. he the dream he was aware of. Right, he'd right, right. He'd been talking about the dream when they were questioning him, which made them think that maybe he'd seen something right. because of what he was talking about. Exactly. But you also run into the problem like, this was not that long after the murders, but how much had he heard spoken about already that could be influencing what he's saying? What he's, what he's is, saying
1: un, in an yeah, unaware way.
0: None of this is is None of this is really anything, honestly.
1: That's fair, but yeah, outside I
0: was gonna of a very possibly verifying that he saw something
1: again. Well, uh, it's you have to I see how reliable is it. You know,
0: it, it, putting together some of the pieces again, I, I wouldn't buy that he, I wouldn't doubt that he maybe saw something, but none of this is stuff that can be used, and none of it's reliable. Uh, but they did make a sketch of the men in question, which they're like, well, it's.
2: Than nothing, which is basically what we have. But a new suspect emerges. A man already connected to the case. Oh. Martin Smart, Justin Eason's stepfather. Oh no. Uh Martin was a violent man. He suffered from PTSD
0: from his time in Vietnam, was for whatever reason not fond of Johnny Sharp. He was known to be quite aggressive. Uh, there was apparently an incident where he tried to run over his wife, Marilyn, Justin's mother, and Justin with his car.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. At some point, he was admitted to a VA mental institution, and it was there that he met John Bo Beau, Bowbead. Bo allegedly had some mob connections back in Chicago. There were reports he was a thief and possibly even a hitman or an enforcer. Both had records. When Marty was released, Bo came out with him and was quickly staying with him, sleeping on the couch. This was about 12 days or so before the murder. Okay. Martin, Sue, and Marilyn were all in the same typing class together, and Marilyn and Sue apparently bonded pretty hard. So, cool. But this is where things start to get a little weird, because there's a lot of theories, but again, next to no evidence. Evidence. To back it up. For example, I, I read reports that Martin and Sue were having an affair, and that she was encouraging Marilyn to leave Martin. And that's why the murders happened. Um, Oh my God. One article I read commented on the fact that Sue as a survivor of domestic abuse was doing what she could to try to help Marilyn get out of a similar situation. Okay. But I, again, I couldn't find a single like source to the specifically the affair rumor. Mm. Uh, So seeing that being thrown around, it just seems to kind of like. Conjecture. Yeah. Um, The day the murders were discovered, the day the bodies were discovered, Marilyn left her husband.
2: Oh, dang. Which, you go, girl.
0: But uh, both men are brought in for questioning. In another weird twist, Sheriff Thomas brought in two men from the Sacramento Department of Justice, not from their homicide division, but from their organized crime division to do the questioning.
2: Did they think this was a mob hit?
0: I think it's less. They thought it was a mob hit. Well, I'm about to. We're gonna. We're gonna hit on this. Always. So sorry,
1: I'm getting excited.
0: You're getting excited. It's all right. The following is from the interview. Smart was laying out a timeline of that night. He said, "We left our house about 10 p.m. My wife, myself, and John and uh, we kept, we were around the bar until about 1 a.m. Like I say, it wasn't real crowded, but it was, you know." fairly crowded that night. And it was, I didn't really notice anything unusual except for one person. One individual came in about, oh, I'd say ten thirty or 11 that I'd never seen before and nearly the rest of the people, you know? Okay. So that's a pretty easy alibi to confirm. And Marilyn sure. did say that she'd been at the bar with Bo and Martin that night. She said that Bo had asked out Sue and Sue had turned him down. Allegedly, they went to cabin 28 to sue's cabin before going to the bar and then when they got to the bar Bo said he felt like killing someone what well okay let's talk about this for a second (laughs) because i'm gonna get into some stuff that doesn't look great for these dudes but i have a problem with how much of this is hearsay
1: Yeah, yeah 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 i'm there with you on that
0: And we're having to exclusively rely on what Marilyn is reporting when she's in the process of getting out of her marriage with Martin. And I'm also I'm missing the context for what Bo said. Like, do you know how often I've said I want to murder someone or like (laughs)
1: drop somebody's
0: (laughs) child? I say that. I don't actually mean it. I mean, kind of.
1: But I don't. (laughs) But you but, do make jokes that so- someone sees your computer. Oh, and the amount of dead body pictures on my computer. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Like, So if anyone ever took me seriously, I'd be screwed or heard something even mildly out of context.
1: Listeners, don't do it.
0: <laughs> Listen. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they left at about 1 a.m. because apparently Martin didn't like the music and there was some kind of argument with the bartender. But then they. Went back at 1.15. This time, just Martin <laughs> and Beau, so without Marilyn. Marilyn okay. went to sleep, and she was asleep when they got home the second time, which was apparently sometime after 2 a.m. when the bar closed. Okay. But
1: remembering,
0: I want you to remember the time frame that was initially given, and, and sure, it's possible this time frame of 12 to 2 a.m. was incorrect when they were killed. Okay. But that was not a crime that was done in a short amount of time
1: no that would have taken a while especially if everyone was being strangled manually
0: exactly and kidnapping a child yeah um people saw him at the bar so uh, when i'm constructing a timeline i am having trouble seeing where he then would have done this unless it was post them leaving the bar which possibly could have given them enough time to do everything.
1: But there's nothing strong enough to support that. Uh, I don't think at least from what you no, told me. No,
0: it's it's again, it's it's not you can't make an arrest on that.
1: No, that's my point, yeah. Uh
0: so smart continues to talk about what happens the next morning and he's asked about when Justin got home and he says it have to have been around 10 or 1030. I was still in bed. I'm a deadhead. The reason I know about it is he came in. Somebody, you know, uh, Sue and Ricky or Sue and Johnny had been killed, murdered. I thought, you know, don't come in and tell that kind of joke. It's not funny. He said, I'm not kidding, man. Look out the window. And sure enough, there was police all over the place. Martin's then asked if he thinks Justin could have been seen or heard, or if he could have seen or heard anything, and Martin talks at length about what a light sleeper Justin is.
1: Oh.
0: Now, I want you to listen to the wording on this, because this is one of the things that people often point to as a sign that Martin was guilty. Okay. Seems to me that under an excitable period, such as what they are under, that, you know... 10, laying in bed with your buddy giggling, and this and that, there's a very high possibility that he could have been awake or alerted to something unusual in that house. And he is quiet enough to where he could have noticed something without me detecting him.
2: Me? Without me detecting him. That is what he said. Which again, a lot of people look
0: at that and think, that this is some kind of weird offhand confession that like he didn't slip. mean to say that—a slip of yeah. the tongue, admitting <sighs> that he was there and he didn't realize his stepson might have witnessed him.
2: However, that is weird.
0: The possibility does also exist that he confused some of the scenarios he was talking about. He had just been talking about how light a sleeper Justin was and how often Justin would wake up if Mark and Martin was up and walking. Hmm. It's an easy slip of the tongue to make.
1: I could see that. I could see both.
0: I could see both. But again, I can't make an arrest on that.
1: Nope. Sure can't.
0: I don't even think I could get a warrant on that,
1: man. No, you could have an opinion, and that's about it.
0: And that's about it. As the questioning continues, Smart then talks about a hammer he had that went missing. A metal blue handled hammer. (laughs) And Smart said... It all was laid outside the door. I've searched and I haven't
2: found it. So could this be our missing murder weapon? Sure.
0: And is he deliberately talking about it being outside the door and it getting stolen to be like, oh, it's not my position
1: anymore. Wasn't me. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Um, It's almost like too easy to like say something like that, too.
0: I'm not going to lie. And this might be mean, in which case, I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Are you? No.
2: (laughs) I don't know
0: that Martin Smart was the smartest man. Not the best last name for this dude. (sighs) Two Ts. It's spelled with two Ts. So there you go. That's
1: how you know it's a dumb, dumb choice. That's (laughs) literally like saying saying. how my dog is named Spooky. And it's the worst name for my dog because he is so easily spooked. Yeah
0: so Bo's interview was even stranger he told the officers he worked as a police officer in chicago he did not
2: uh, why would you sh- say
1: that
0: no 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 that he had been shot in the bank robbery he had not that Marilyn's martin's wife was his niece do you want to guess as to whether or not that was true probably not nope <gasps> um they also took a polygraph and passed it which what okay i mean they're not oh, reliable they're not reliable i mean like sure they took a polygraph cool good good times Uh, shortly after being questioned Martin moves to Reno and not too long after that his VA therapist is contacted again this is where things start to get weird because the the therapist allegedly says that Marty admitted to the killings which all right, that's a big thing Um, apparently saying I killed the woman and her daughter but didn't have anything to do with the boys Uh, that he did this because he was mad that Sue had interfered in his marriage Which okay, that's Okay confession.
1: That yeah, but like it doesn't make sense. Like well let me (laughs) Okay, sorry. Yeah. So the DOJ
0: was alerted to this confession. It was dismissed as hearsay. Um but again Reading the reports on this, everything was really, really inconsistent, but I read this one report that said investigators did follow up with a therapist, and the, f- the therapist said that Martin didn't actually confess. So, like, I can't what? tell, honest to God, I can't tell if this is the police being sketchy with their data gathering, or if people, again, are trying to twist the evidence evidence, evidence, to suit their narrative.
1: never both. know. Or both, yeah. Honestly? All of the above. Both.
0: Because again, Martin tends to be everyone's favorite suspect. But a lot of it just doesn't add up. So a letter surfaced that had been written from Martin to Marilyn, his wife, shortly after the murders. And, um, okay, you know, we're just talking about this. You, You can twist evidence to work in your favor, right? Sure, yeah. You can be selective in how you report something. Sure. When I initially saw this letter... It was just the small chunk of it. And it pops up in articles. It popped up in that people episode, that people documentary episode. Mm -hmm. And this is what it says. I've paid the price of your love. And now that I've bought it with four people's lives, you tell me we are through. Great. What else do you want?
1: And um, what is the context for this exactly?
0: So if that is the only context you see.
1: Yeah. Yeah
2: sounds like bro is saying he killed four people yes this is the
0: section that gets printed over and over and over again in articles
2: talking about this case
1: but (laughs) I was waiting for that big but (sighs)
0: One again, even the 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 People Magazine Investigates episode I watched, they emphasize this. <laughs> they like highlight g- yellow stars, glitter sparkles. <laughs> Look at this. Bro confess to murder. The full letter. Which I'm not gonna read the entire thing. It's quite long.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, are we going through the whole thing? All right, We're let's We're not do going it. through the whole thing, but we are going through a good chunk of it. Because All right. In context, this is what is said. For three
0: years, I've heard about your kids. Don't get me wrong. I love them too. Now I'll ask, what about mine? Don't you think I love them? Honey, I gave up four of the most precious things in my life. For what? For you. The answer is simple. Now I'll ask you, why should I love your kids more than mine? I've tried. That's more than you can say. I don't think you ever loved me, much less my kids. And yet you expect this from me. And I've given it to you. I've paid the price of your love. And now that I've bought it with four people's lives, you tell me we are through. Great. What else do you want? I've paid the price. I've given my flesh and blood for you. I'll gladly pay your bills. Just send them in. You know that I love you more than my own kids. Can you say
2: that?
1: Oh, that's a very different story.
2: Context.
1: Context is huge.
2: Context is huge.
0: And like, mm, like, okay, yeah, he's admitting to being a shit father. Sure.
1: <laughs> right, but he didn't kill anybody.
0: But he didn't kill anybody, at least not. Not based that on he's that. he's stating in this letter. And right. What pisses me off about this whole thing is I read something like this that is grossly misrepresenting the actual context and every other thing you now say, I'm just like, I don't trust this. I don't trust uh-huh. any evidence you are telling me about this dude. And it is still completely possible that he is involved in that. He was somebody who who murdered them. But like now I'm like, I don't trust you. How much of this is fact and how much of this is just you are so convinced that he And his buddy were the murderers that you are cherry picking what you want
1: to share. That's fair. That's very fair. I don't blame you. I feel the same way. It makes me mad, Gabby. But also, like, it makes me wonder, like, why people just don't dig a little deeper. Like, why would they just assume just based on that one thing and then, like, a reputable resource... Partially Cause.
0: because. Oh, okay. The person who's pushing this narrative harder than anyone else is first his ex-wife Marilyn, mm. but also surviving daughter Sheila.
2: Sheila very much believes that that he is one of the ones responsible, and it's hard
0: to argue with that because that's yeah. not rational you know yeah yeah
2: i could see that that's hard
0: and when when you look at who's controlling the narrative and it's also the people who are still alive and we're going to be getting as we move further we're going to still be getting to this so hold on to all of this for when we get through everything because
1: there's still more (laughs) oh i can't wait this is i'm just getting passionate about it don't mind me
0: oh you should have seen me the other day when i got (laughs) this I believe it. Uh, Yeah, so his ex-wife Marilyn is absolutely convinced he did it. She revealed a few years after the murders, which also, okay, uh, that (laughs) she had found Tina's bloody jacket in her basement and had given it to police. What? That they have have no record of it. So again, I'm I'm looking at two possibilities. One, a cover-up because Martin was friends with the sheriff. And... One of the big theories is that Bo, who had these mob connections, one of the reasons why people think, oh, he was involved in the murders, but he was let go because he was working as a PI in a bigger mob case. Mm -hmm. The police wanted the case to go cold and actively overlook clues
1: because, again, conspiracy theories! They're so much fun. Well,
0: it's, it's just... There's kind of no evidence either way.
1: (laughs) It's hard to to argue when you don't have much to back it.
0: (laughs) No. And so so there's that. This is just a massive conspiracy theory and that they did have a bloody jacket and they ignored it. They lost it intentionally.
2: However, Marilyn is quite upset about her ex-husband. Is she upset enough to lie about what happened? Maybe
0: neither one's great. <laughs> neither one's an option. And I, And again, I'm not saying that that is what Marilyn did, but with how everything else is shaping up, I do have to ask that question. Yeah? I also want you to press save on that blue jacket because we're going to be coming back to it.
2: okay? Case goes cold for a couple of years. And then they got a break they were not expecting. April twenty second
0: of nineteen eighty four. The date is important because it is often misreported that this happened three years to the day of the murders. That is not the case. It was April eleventh when the murders took place. So yes, we are close to when the murders happened, but not exact.
1: <laughs> call it, Kim. Call it out. Well, I call it out. Uh,
0: okay. Well, let me let me let me get Sorry. to my point, and then I'll get tell you why I'm calling it out. Yeah. Um, uh, a man. Ronald Pedrini was in the woods in Feather Falls in Butte County, uh, which is like a hundred mile drive from Keddie. Um, Some of the reports differ because apparently you can hike there in a shorter distance, but if you're driving there, it takes longer. So, great. This piece of the skull was initially thought to be that of a Native American. However, a call comes in to sheriff dispatchers. The caller says, hello, I was watching the news, and they were talking about the skull they found at the Feather Falls, and they asked for any help. Dispatcher goes, uh-huh. <laughs> and the caller says, and I was just wondering if they thought of the murder up in Ketty, up in Plumas County, a couple
2: of years ago, where a 12-year-old girl was never found. Hmm. Now, it's kind of weird <laughs> it's a little odd this is a good distance from the
0: murder sure murder happened three years ago yep it went cold three years ago
2: yep who just thinks i saw
0: a news report about a piece of a skull that everybody seems to think is a native american skull and assumed it was a missing girl from a couple years ago
1: not everybody would think that that's for sure you know,
0: not everybody would think that and uh coming back to the date discrepancy there are those that believe that the phone call was made by somebody involved in the murders
1: oh okay
0: specifically because it was made they're like oh because it happened three years to the day and you're like no it, didn't. no, it didn't. It was close. But also, how would the murderers know the skull was going to get found three years? I mean, it, uh... <laughs> okay.
1: we know when Kim Hum sings, how she feels.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i some things in, folks. I'm, this whole case, uh, I mostly just, I made that sound a lot.
1: Uh, uh, okay. Is that going to be our hashtag for this one? <laughs> hashtag, uh. <laughs>
0: I just, I hate when everything is so unclear (coughs) because people suck. (laughs) That could be the hashtag. Yeah. Uh, As I'm sure you've all guessed, the skull did indeed belong to Tina. DNA analysis would confirm it. A search of the area found a few other small bones, um, but not enough to determine the cause of death. They would also find a blue. Nylon jacket.
1: Look at that.
0: Jeans, believed to have belonged to her as well, uh, and an empty medical tape dispenser.
2: Hmm. So, okay. Her blue jacket is found. Is
0: it possible there's more than one blue jacket with blood on it that could be found?
2: I don't know, man. Like, I, mm. I hmm. Kim has questions. <laughs> like, and maybe this is maybe this is why
0: it didn't get logged. Maybe you know, maybe Marilyn did say she found this jacket, but it wasn't related to to Tina, and the police figured that out. And they were like, oh, "This is trash. This isn't worth logging. This is a mistake." I don't know. I don't know. I just there's a lot of questions and not a lot of answers
1: seems to be the pattern in this one
0: that is kind of the pattern of events it does make me question what marilyn says a lot though i'm fine i find her i find her less credible i find if nothing else this plants seeds of doubt into what she says
2: sure uh i will say though that tape with the anonymous caller oh yeah it's lost
1: oh that's convenient
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, this next part breaks my heart. Uh, Sheila's told that her sister Tina had been found. She did not initially realize Tina was dead. Oh. And she would later say, our youth pastor took myself and my cousins aside and said they found Tina. I was excited because I thought they, you know, I was like, okay, when can I see her?
2: And they said, you can oh. oh. She wasn't coming home. Yeah, who did that to her? That's messed up. I just this this poor okay. girl.
0: One and you know she's talked in interviews about wanting to protect her brothers and being the oldest and and becoming a little bit more of the mother figure, but wanting to protect them from everything. So she very much kind of had to stand alone in all of this in terms of what she witnessed, what she knew. Um. And I I can't even imagine being 14 and having to deal with this. It's awful. In 1988, Bo dies. And in 2000, Marty dies. So the two men who are looked at the most as the strongest and most likely suspects are gone. And with them, any additional answers they might bring. In 2004, a number of the cabins were torn down, including cabin 28.
2: At this moment, the case seems to be well and truly dead. However, oh. in 2010, a change in regime in the sheriff's office, Greg Hagwood
0: takes over as sheriff. Uh, he'd been a lot younger, but he knew the Sharp family, and it didn't si- sit right with him that the, the, the case had been handled so poorly. And he told CBS News, I knew the two boys who were murdered. I worked with them the entire summer before the murders. So the case is officially reopened in 2013. And wouldn't you know it, when they're going through a box of evidence. Evidence. They find in the very bottom of the box the missing anonymous call recording. What? In a sealed envelope. That's sketchy. It had never been formally admitted into evidence.
1: What? Are you serious? Mm Mm-hmm that is messed up somebody's hiding something i don't like that
0: it's it it does like i'm like neither neither option's great because either somebody's deliberately withholding evidence destroying evidence not logging things right or they're that incompetent
2: oh neither option's great they're both bad
0: yeah they're both bad uh In early 2016, a junk collector using a metal detector around a lake in Keddie finds a hammer. Now, initially, he throws it back in the lake. Later, though, he finds a website about the Keddie murders. He contacts authorities. They go. They find the hammer. Similar to the hammer, Marty describes as missing from his cabin. It looks similar to a hammer that could have been used in the murders. Could this be the missing hammer? They were doing testing I couldn't find anything that hundred percent confirmed that this was the missing hammer, but it seems to be what most people assume it is.
1: Do we have anything supporting that at all?
0: Again, this is, this is what's odd to me. And this next piece of, of the case is equally odd because there was these details that popped up, these things that popped up the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. but Then there's been almost no follow-up. So in April of 2018, a DNA test is run on a piece of tape that was from the crime scene.
2: And a match happened. Oh. However, you know who it didn't match with? Who? Bo and Martin.
0: Oh. Special investigator Mike Gamberg, who was working the case, said that it linked to a living suspect to the case. And he would tell the Reno Gazette Journal... They better batten down the hatches because we're coming. We're continuing with the investigation and we're doing interviews and we have several persons of interest.
1: That's exciting.
0: Yes, but. Oh, no. He would say that six people had been involved in total. And yet to this day, almost six years after this was announced, there has been no formal names. Of suspects, of persons of interest, of anything. There has been no further details given. The last concrete thing reported with this case was in 2018. Now, Gamberg and Greg Hagwood both believe the initial investigation was completely mishandled. And it is possible that something that the police were doing was deliberately covering up someone's involvement. But because of the lack of anything new being reported, it is incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's only been a couple other theories presented. None of them seem super credible. Some of them seem downright ridiculous. There is a theory that it was a random robbery, which seems unlikely, uh, which we spoke about yeah, no. the, the brutality of the act that does not feel random.
2: No.
0: Uh, one that it was drug related. And again, outside of John and Dana being known to occasionally dabble in pot, uh, there doesn't seem to be any evidence, evidence to support that theory. The case was so poorly handled, it makes sorting through what we do have to be very challenging. And my other big question is, more than anything else, why was Tina alone taken away? Because we don't know if she was killed at the scene with everyone else, if she was alive and murdered later. Uh, We don't even know if she was kept alive for a chunk of time before being killed. So why take her when you've left these three other bodies on site? Good question. And on the the one hand, when I first started researching, I was like, oh, Martin and Bo for show (laughs) (laughs) for show. For show. But it also feels like people were so gung ho to make them the responsible party. They've overlooked a lot of things like them being at the bar until almost 2 a.m. When did they carry this out, particularly if Tina's body is found like 100 miles away? When did that happen?
1: Yeah, that doesn't seem realistic as an option.
0: And outside of them being kind of assholes and Martin being like buddy, buddy with the sheriff, where is the actual, I've used this word so many times today,
2: evidence, evidence, evidence
0: that they're responsible. Mostly it leaves me very sad for Sheila. Yeah. Who found her mother and brother dead. Uh, and then had to live with her sister's body being found. She said in an interview with people magazine, I don't think there really is any type of final closure in a murder case. We still have to live on without our loved ones. Dana Wingate, who who seems like someone who was very much caught in the wrong place at wrong time, and he tends to get, in my mind, kind of overlooked Mm -hmm. in the reporting of the case. People don't talk about him the same way. His father, Gary, would say, Nobody has the faintest idea who killed my son, so I long ago had to let this thing go or it would eat me alive. I don't think about it. I don't go to that ghost town, and I have no idea if ghosts exist there. But I do know this. There is evil in this world, and evil was in that house that night.
2: That's so sad. Oh, yeah, that that, that gutted me. I, oh, again, I, I, I was
0: specifically <laughs> trying to look for some stuff on Dana because I hadn't seen a whole lot, and I found that yeah. quote from his father, and I was like, oh. well... Oh, I'm done. <laughs> Shit, man. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? What do, what do you think of, of uh, Marty and Bo as suspects?
1: I don't think it's them. I think that you're right about it e- being easy, especially like I could see how people would want to believe that the family member is left alive if they're believing it's them, that that would be who it would be. Sure. And not really like digging deeper to find if it actually is or not, but just kind of taking their word for it in the sake of wanting to respect the, the loss that they experienced and mm-hmm. the trauma of that situation. It's so weird to me that there's stuff that was withheld. Like it it feels almost too deliberate. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. it's like, uh, yeah, people can be careless and disorganized, but this doesn't feel like that this to me. This is another level. This is like, the, I don't know how you could have that tape go missing. And then all of a sudden, come up and then get everyone gets excited about solving something and then nothing happens. Like it seems like they were just trying to like kind of like shut people up and make people happy for periods of time by pulling things out and well, then not doing anything with it.
0: I will lightly disagree with you in okay. that um publicly naming a suspect is a real different thing from having a suspect. That's true. And so, again, I don't doubt that they have persons of interest. But if they, again, this is a crime that's over 40 years old. Yeah. So you could have one little thing that could maybe connect somebody. Mm-hmm. But if that's all I have.
1: You don't wanna tell everybody that's not what a it case. Is. Yeah, well, and yeah. that's not a
0: case. And I can't say his name or their name. Yeah. So I I don't think at least currently, I I don't think it's because of a lack of of desire to see closure to this case. I think to me, the silence is really telling. And it says they don't have something that they can tell us.
1: It just seems seems weird that like once they had the new management come in, you know, all of a sudden.
0: It's a 40-year-old case. At some point, you run out of evidence. And if I don't have anything to report except maybe a suspect who I don't have anything to back up outside of, I'm not going to announce that to the public.
1: You know what I just thought of, too? Hmm. Sometimes, um, politically speaking, when Mm new people come in, they like to get the buy-in of their people locally. Sure. So maybe... Just a theory since there are so many I'm gonna throw another one in is that um this new sheriff person who came in and wanted to like look at the case again and bring everything up was trying to be likable by the community i I don't think
0: so for a number of reasons okay and again, there's a lot of stuff like I watched some interviews with this dude mm-hmm. he's he's very vocal in how he talks about this this is this is like a personal vendetta at this point to to get this solved um but again without evidence there's nothing like there's a reason cases go cold um the flip side is they start making shit up and it looks like they may have done that the first time around so we'd rather they didn't do that now that's uh, true i think there's nothing to report i think they have nothing right now they have they they found the hammer cool i suspect uh, maybe part of why they haven't said anything is because uh a hammer that was found in twenty sixteen that means it was sitting in water in water and there's there's some pictures of it online, and there's pictures of a lot of the murder weapons um but it was it was sitting in water for
1: what a long time
0: <gasps> thirty five years something like that yeah. So um, it's not going to have
1: much left on it to test.
0: Well, well, and again, you could look at it and be like, we suspect this was,
1: but you can't prove it. But
0: we can't prove it, so there's not much else to report. There, you have DNA from somebody who you've attached to somebody living, but if that is literally all I have, that's not a case.
1: That's so frustrating.
0: So I, I, I can't say anything. I'm not going to say anything, and again, potentially alert somebody that we're on their trail. Who might destroy evidence, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or get get my ass handed to me because I'm harassing somebody without evidence? I I don't think I don't even know that you could get a search warrant with that. Depending on on what the results were, and there's there is a history. I mean, there's a reason that a lot of details are held back from the public when a case is ongoing, and that is because you need to. So it's frustrating, but I also understand why some of this has not been if there's nothing new to report there's probably not a lot they can say
1: yeah i respect that um it's so still, i think it's just frustrating more than anything. oh it's
0: incredibly frustrating again yeah. uh, you like also look at the fact that when this case originally happened it's 1981 it's this tiny ass town it's little area Sheriff's dealing with it, but, like, not... This is not a a huge area they're probably covering. Gross incompetence. (laughs) There's less procedures in place. They're not used to handling a case like this. He even said it. He's like, I've seen, you know, of course we've had murders, but nothing like this. And there's no great practice that's set up yet for preserving crime scenes. So the crime scene was mishandled, which, again circle back to that, that could be another reason that
2: they're a little nervous
0: to release anything about that DNA evidence is that crime scene was not super secure. Yeah. So if that's the only thing you have, I can't do anything with that because how easy would it be for a lawyer to blow holes in that? Yeah so it's no it, this whole thing is so frustrating i'm not even touching on some of the bat shit stuff that popped up <laughs> normally i enjoy the bat shit theories uh that was not the case with this because the the prevalent bat shit theory and again you want to go down the internet rabbit hole and look at some of it is so off the wall and kind of gross that i was like i'm not this is we don't need to talk about this um That's fair. Uh, Yeah. And, and, and again, let's not give more credibility to this, but this whole case is just, it's, it's a nightmare to wade through the details because there's so much hearsay. There's so many things that are misreported. There's so much effort to point things purely towards Martin and Bo. And again, I'm not saying they weren't involved. I'm not saying they didn't do it, but I'm saying that all of the things people are pointing to as, as like. This this is this is the smoking gun that's making my case. The letter, the thing he said during the interview. That's basically it. Well, no, the confession <laughs> of therapist, which also again, that, that whole was thing so is so weird. weird.
2: It's all just
0: so bizarre and makes no sense.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. So it's just frustrating.
0: That, it's very frustrating. Um, I, I honestly, I hope that I can do an update on this at some point because something new has come out. Fingers uh, crossed.
1: We can only hope. crossed.
0: I. It, it's. It's. We have solved colder cases before.
1: This one's pretty chilly. Uh,
0: this one is pretty chilly, but there are still people who are actively looking at the case. So.
2: You never
0: know, uh, you know, and and if, again, if you know anything and you want to contact the sheriff, something go <laughs> <that's>, wild, hey, <ay. laughs> nice. But um, that is the Caddy Cabin Murders.
1: Dang, well done, friend. Thank you. And this brings us to. Creepy Critics Corner, Creepy Critics Corner. Kim, <laughs> what you been watching? Uh,
0: you know, I went and saw the other day a, a movie that I didn't even realize it existed called oh. um, ISS, International Space Station.
1: I saw you post something about that and I didn't even know what you were talking about. So relatable.
0: I, it was it was kind of fun. Uh, I'm a sucker for stuff in space. The whole premise of the movie is um the these new scientists who are showing up at the International Space Station with Russia, you know it's the <laughs> Russians and the Americans, and within like a day or two on the ground, uh, a nuclear war breaks out
2: oh damn,
0: between Russia and the United States. Oh wow, so this group of scientists who are all like you know buddy buddies are getting orders from their respective countries to take the space station oh no which also can we talk about how that's kind of ridiculous because it is but (laughs) politics 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 um but uh
2: yeah it was it was fun um it's silly it's really
0: really silly but uh, I, I enjoyed myself. Is it is it something I think everybody needs to rush out and see in theaters? I mean, it was cool seeing the space station stuff. Is actually pretty cool. They made a, a, a for what I imagine was a pretty modest budget. They actually did a pretty cool in space space station thing. Um, but you know, check it out, uh, check it out streaming if you have the opportunity because it was a it was a good time. Nice uh so i watch yeah i watch that um i've been watching a lot of like reruns of stuff which i realize is not as that's okay. i do the same
1: thing it's fun well, sometimes I, you need a palate cleanser
0: you need a palate cleanser well part of it too is is that i've been i'm one of the judges for uh the the grave plot film festival which is happening uh, I'm trying to think if this is happening I think this it happens after this episode will be airing it's coming it's it's this uh Saturday February 3rd but uh yeah so I've been watching a bunch of horror shorts so uh when I have a, some spare downtime I'm sitting down and 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 just going through a couple of these um so again I I've seen a little bit less than than normal of the 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 movie stuff because the I've movie options the movie
1: options because I've been nice. busy
0: doing that. What you've been watching?
1: Um I have not watched any movies. Okay. Uh I've watched a lot of trash TV while I've been sick. You watching trash TV? What? Truly, there's so many great options right now. Um however they're I think one of the things I've noticed is I tend to either watch trash TV or like really heartwarming things or like really messed up stuff. Those tend to be like my three categories of things. So um, I've been really wanting to watch the new season of True Detective, but Mm -hmm. I haven't watched anything since season one came out. I Uh really liked season one, but I only watched it like when it came out in like what, 2015, I think. It's been, like it's, it, been yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Although I believe each one kind of
0: stands alone, doesn't it? They do.
1: They do. But I'm like weird about it where I'm like, I know they stand alone, but I want to watch it consecutively. Um, and Terrence never watched it. And so we've been talking about watching it together. And you know, my brain is a goldfish. So sure. we just started um, watching True Detective season one, which is great because I has been so long, I don't remember anything about it. Season one's fantastic, it. it's yeah. It's so good. And so um, we've been binging that pretty hard. And that's been like our main main we're going to actually pay attention and watch a show show that we've been watching Mm -hmm. and then um life has been very hard for me lately so i've been needing happy things outside of that and like outside of the reading i'm doing for school so um two new seasons of two of my favorite shows are out queer eye season eight is out um and it's the last season for bobby burke sad day already read the tea. It's not that serious, but um, it's in New Orleans again this season. And I just freaking love, love, love Queer Eye so much. Um, It's just, I used to cry like at every episode. I think I've gotten past that. Um, (laughs) But there's a um, episode where it involves a athletic director who's deaf and works at a deaf school. And that is the most heartwarming episode i've seen in a long time and that really got the heartstrings going i think Mm -hmm. it would pull your dead cold heart as well kim um love me a jvn moment though and then uh love on the spectrum has a new season and i already binged the whole thing um so (laughs) it's also just very heartwarming and sweet and i love that show so (laughs) yeah that's what i've been watching uh needed to have a nice palate cleanser of how awful life can be sometimes. I need sure. to watch like nice, heartwarming things. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been watching. <laughs> um, but yeah, having said that, thank you for listening, listeners. Thank you to our dear friend, Max, for being our editor. You're uh, amazing. Shout out to Max. Thank you, Max. Uh, and if you like what we do, head on over to Patreon and give us your money, please. No, but seriously, there's extra content on there. You can see what we look like when we record and have an unedited video. It's a wild time. Um, lots of barks, lots of sirens. It's a it's a wild time, guys. Um, but also, you know, if you like what we do and can't afford it, we also appreciate, you know, a review or rating on um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And for those of our new listeners, welcome. We also have uh, Instagram, Facebook, Wherever you social media were generally present under Ghoulish Tendencies podcast. So thank you for listening. And having said that, stay.